It's good to have each one of you here, and I hope the service this far has been a, uh, a blessing, and I hope the sermon time can also be a, a challenge and a, a time of searching our own lives, hearts. Many people are asking the question, um, why am I here? Why did God create me? Um, what value do I have, and what meaning is there to life? And, you know, it's not just non-Christians that are asking those questions. It's also people in the church sometimes. And I do think that is a direct result of the fall, which is what we read about, um, what Dathan read there in Genesis, the fall. But how do we answer that question? And last, in my last sermon, I preached on um, that we were made in the image of God. We were created in the image of God. And... Why did God create us? Obviously, I don't know the mind of God, but yet there are some things in the Bible, I think, that help us realize why God created us. And for one, he created us in his image, I think, to be image bearers, to share his image uh, or to bear his image to a lost world now. But even back when he created Adam and Eve, the world was not broken as it is now. So why did he create Adam and Eve? I think he wanted more people to relate to. He wanted something someone kind of like himself. Now, there is a vast difference between God and Adam and Eve or between God and us, but yet we are like God in some respects. He created us like himself, and may, namely as a person. We are our personhood, our being able to relate, our intellect, all those things. The animals don't have that, but we do. I, I believe God created us to relate to us, to love us, to dwell with us, and ultimately for us to bring glory to him. What was the command uh, when, when a lawyer came and asked Jesus, what, what's the greatest commandment? What did, what did Jesus say? I don't know. Love your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then, of course, love your neighbor as yourself. But I do believe that first commandment is the reason partly why God created man, for us to love him and to be in a relationship with him. We were created in God's image. This is a sacred quality, a sacred quality. And we also have eternal life. We have eternal significance in our lives that the animals also don't have. And that's why even though I believe the value of human life is slowly ebbing away in society, there is still a sacredness to human life because we have eternal, there's eternal consequences to our lives. And then I, part of the sermon last, last time I preached was about our value. You know, many, there's, there's, I believe sometimes a struggle to, to know, do we have value? Is our life of value? And when our life becomes meaningless, we also struggle with value or vice versa. When we, become, when we lose our sense of our value, we also, life can become meaningless. And I believe our value needs to be rooted in who we were created after. Our value is not dependent on how well we can do something or how beautiful we look or how strong we are, but it is rooted in the fact that we are given value by our creator. He created us in his image. So the sermon today, the name, title of the sermon is A Marred Image. Last time it was, we were made in the image of God. Today it is a marred image. A marred image. But I want to look a little bit, first of all, at some more about 
who we are in God, being created in the image of God, and what God created when he created Adam, uh, man and woman. So turn back in your Bible to Genesis 1. I know I read some of these scriptures last time, but I'm going to read them again. Genesis 1, 26 to 31. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the, which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to every thing that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Just a good rundown of why of God creating man, and then the delegation that God gave to man. Turn also over to Psalm 8. I read this last time as well, and I just think it is a good, again, it, it um, tells us about um, what God did when he created man. Psalm 8. O Lord, how lo o Lord our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Here's a question. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So here, David is asking the question, what is man? When I look at the heavens, when I look at the stars, there's, there's just something humbling about going out at night and looking at the stars. And just the vast amount and, and realizing that I'm seeing just a small speck of stars. There are so many stars and celestial bodies out there and, and just realizing how small I am and God is over the whole universe and yet he is mindful of me. He is mindful of you. He cares. He, visited, he visits. He is near. That word visit has to do with being near and, 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 and hearing and, and visiting man. Why? Why does he do that? And again, as I, as I said before, I believe part of it, a lot of it has to do that he created man in his image, and we bear his, um, a part of his image. And it says here in verse 6, no, sorry, verse 5, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Now, those are kingly words or kingly terms, if kingly is a word, but it has to do with, with priests or royalty and, and kings. Crowned, that has to do with to crown, which is, you know, putting, putting a crown on someone's head, crowning them. 
And then the word glory has to do with weight. You know, kings, those with royalty bear a certain weight, not only the crown on their head, but a weight of just uh, of responsibility. Um, those, those who are born in a, in, a, in a king's family, the king's sons, there's a certain right off the bat, as they are, just because they are born the son of a king, they have a certain weight, a certain honor, a certain um, whatever you want to call it, assigned to them because they are the son of a king. And it's talking kind of about that here. We have been crowned with glory. There is a certain glory to God's creation that was not given to the animals. There is a, a, a glory given to man. And when I say man, I wanted to say this at the beginning. When I say the word man, I do mean man and woman. It's, the Bible often says man, and I think it's in relation to both genders. So um, I'm going to probably use the word man a lot, but it does refer to both man and woman. But when he created man, it was for his glory, and there was a glory given to man as um, that, that was given to him. He was crowned with glory and honor. And I believe that's what Adam and Eve experienced. Now, we have that today, but sadly, that has been marred. The word honor has to do with magnificent, magnificence, excellency, beauty, splendor. That is what man has. Man has been crowned with glory and honor. You know, we believe God is king of all the universe. He is, he is Lord of all. And as people created in his image, we also share some of that glory in a sense. And it's a great honor, but it's also responsibility. You know, the, the son of a king, he might have that glory assigned to him just because he's the son of a king, but he also has a responsibility to live as a son of a king. And in the story of David and Absalom, we see the son of a king that did not act very royally, who actually tried to undermine his father's throne. And sadly, I think man has done the same thing with God. I believe man's glory and honor or his, who he, uh, part of his, uh, yeah, part of his glory and honor that he was bestowed by being created is also the task that God gave him. In Genesis 1.28, it says this, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave us a task to do. We have meaning in life because of the task we have been given. Adam and Eve were given a task to fill the earth, to multiply, to replenish it. He wanted to see them flourish. And then not only that, he planted a garden for them. Eden, he planted a garden for them, and he put them in that garden to enjoy. Um, my daughter Victoria loves flowers, and I'm thinking about this, this summer maybe letting a small patch for her to plant flowers that she can just pick and make bouquets and do whatever she wants. And so I want her to enjoy that. So we're going to plant some flowers, and she can just enjoy that and do whatever she wants with it. And I think that's kind of what God had in mind too. Here, I created this for you. I want you to subdue it, which that word has to do with, um, of course, subduing is to, to bring in sub, sub, into subjection, but it's, it's basically using the earth's resources for your benefit. Use the earth's resources well and use them for your, for your good. Um, and then having dominion, again, that's a word that we often associate with kings or, or royalty. They, do, they have dominion. They, have, they subdue. 
That was the task that man was given. And then God created this garden for them to live in and to, to just enjoy, to work the soil and to um, eat the plants. And, and he gave them work to do. He, gave them a dele he delegated this to them. But whenever you delegate, you also take a risk. Any business owner knows or any leader knows that when you delegate, you take a risk in knowing if it, what you delegated will be performed well and done the way you want it to be done. And God took a risk, and I think Adam and Eve probably did this well for a time. I believe at this point in time, Adam and Eve had a perfect identity and purpose. I don't think there was a question of why they were here. There was a, I don't think there was a question of what am I supposed to be doing? They had a job. They had uh, a meaningful life. I believe they had a perfect relationship with each other in marriage. And I believe they had a perfect relationship with God. They had a perfect relationship with God. I don't think any of us know what perfect relationships look like. We know what good relationships look like. But we all say that good relationships are hard work. I don't know if they thought relationships were hard work back in the garden because I believe it was perfect. It was perfect. And then we have Genesis chapter 3 where the image bearers, instead of following through and doing, bearing the image that God wanted them to bear, they marred that image and they rebelled against him. Nathan read chapter 3 there of Genesis, uh, yeah, chapter 3 of Genesis, and just a very clear account of what happened at the beginning. This is why sin entered the world. And this is a very basic, you, if you grew up in a Christian home, you, you've heard this for many, you're probably your whole growing up life, of why we have sin, why the world is the way it is. And I would like to take it and look at it today in in with respect to our, our value and our meaning and, and meaning in life. Because I believe up until this point, there was no question about meaning in life. But now, there was something happened. There, the image was marred. The image bearers rebelled against the one who made them. In Genesis 3, so the serpent asked the woman, you know, what, did God really say that you're not supposed to eat of the fruit or of any tree? And then she said, no. He said, we may eat of every tree except for the one of the knowledge of, of good and evil. And then Satan says this. The serpent says this. Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In the ESV, it says, ye shall be like God. And I think that's the right kind of, here it says, as gods. But I think it has to do with being like the Most High. Where else do we read about someone being like the Most High? It says, Lucifer wanted to be like the Most High. And he was cast out of heaven. But here is, here is Eve, or here's the serpent tempting Eve. And saying, no, what God said is not actually true. You're not going to die. Instead, you're going to be like God. Now, why would that appeal to Eve? Because she was already made in the likeness of God. It says that Adam and Eve were created in the image and likeness of God. So why was that not enough? Why is this different? 
the likeness of God that they were created in was they bore a resemblance to him. They bore some of his character and some of his you know, traits and, and, intel and being able to make decisions and think. But in this term, like, to be like God has to do with being like him in sovereignty. They wanted to be like God in sovereignty. They wanted to be sovereign over their own lives, not let God be sovereign over their lives. I've said it before that I think doubt is the root of all sin. And I believe that's true. I believe Satan planted a seed of doubt in Eve's mind that somehow God is withholding something from her. And so she doubted God. Well, if God's withholding something from me, then I need to, I should, I got to take care of my own life. I got to figure out, I, if I can be like God, then, then I should eat this. It was appealing. And I truly think that the desire to be like God is at the core of selfishness. It's at the core of the old man. Paul talks about the old man and the new man in the New Testament. And I believe to be like God is at the core of that. We want to be like, we want to be God of our own lives, not allow God to be God over our lives. They wanted dominion over their own lives instead of just over what God had given them dominion over. And, you know, God allows that. Today, he allows people to choose what they want to do with their lives. You can choose to live according to his principles and plan, or you can choose not to. Now, you can't choose what the result will be, but you can choose what you do with it today. And so he gave them that ability to choose. They may choose what, what they do with their lives, and unfortunately, they chose to rebel. And today, that choice is still before us, that mankind must choose what they want to do with their life. And sadly, we are all born with that bent towards selfishness. That image was marred when they rebelled against God. Because God is all good. He is perfect. He is love. He is all righteous. He is all no, every, everything. There is nothing, there's no blemish in God. But there is blemishes in this creation that he has created. There's blemishes in us as image bearers because of sin, because of the fall of man. Man may choose to sit on the throne of his own life or allow God to sit there. What are you doing with the throne of your own life? There is a thro Each one of us has a throne here. Who's sitting on it? And I think up until the fall, God was sitting on the throne for Adam and Eve. But then they decided to take matters into their own hands, and now they sat on their own throne and made their own decision. And sadly, it has affected us today. What was lost in the fall? What did they lose when they rebelled against God? Well, for one, I think innocence was lost. I think up until that point, they were just in line with what God wanted them to do. They were content. They were happy. But all of a sudden, when they rebelled against God, they realized they were naked, physically, and I believe also emotionally, and just feeling vulnerable. And so now all of a sudden, we have guilt and shame. There were emotions they had never felt before, I don't think. And there was another one. There was fear. They felt fear. There's also an enemy that now hounds us because they gave a foothold to the devil. 
when they gave in, when they went, when, when Eve went according to, or, or she followed his, his um, advice and, and he said, you won't die, you're going to be like God instead. He, when, he did, when she followed that, she gave Satan a foothold. And today we still continue to grapple. Even though the victory is won in Christ, we continue to grapple with the devil. And he continues to constantly hound us and try to get us to reject God. I believe a relationship, or I believe a perfect harmony in human relationship was lost at the fall. All we read about is Adam and Eve and God, so I don't know that there was any other human relationships besides marriage and then their relationship with God, but I think all of us as married people know that it takes work to have a good marriage. It takes work to relate well to each other. It takes work, and it's hard sometimes. It's not easy. There's a man I work with sometimes, um, He's a contractor, and I just realized, found out he's really having struggles in his marriage. And he would have grown up in the church. His wife grew up in the church and pretty much have left all that go. And that's all a part of the fall. That is all a part of the fall. And I'm praying and hoping that they can work it out. But that's, that, I don't think that was the case up until that point. I believe they had a perfect relationship. And then their relationship with God was severed. And I never really noticed how much of a drastic change this was until I read this in, in Genesis 3. But it says, let me find it here. Now, verse 8, Genesis 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Why would you hide yourself? when uh, an authority figure comes your way? Why do you slow down when you pass a police officer? <laughs> Why do you, when I was young, me and a friend, a friend and I, we were outside throwing stones at church like we're all supposed to do when we go outside after church, and we hit a vehicle. I think, I forget who did it. If it was me or him. We hit a vehicle with our stone, one of our stones, and the window cracked. And the first thing he wanted to do was run and hide. Run and hide. Because we knew there would be punishment if we got caught. I think any kid knows that. Any, whenever, you're, whenever you know you did something you weren't supposed to do, the first thing to do is hide or somehow cover up when the authority or whatever comes your way. Why is that? And I believe that's what they experienced there. Again, fear. They had fear. And they, I don't think they'd experienced that before. Their relationship with God was severed. There, there was, I believe, a perfect connection with God up until this point. And all of a sudden, that was gone. And God's like, where are you at? Where'd you go? And, and Adam said, why? I, I was afraid. And I hid myself. And he said, well, God, why were you afraid? Did you do what, did I, did you do what I told you not to do? And then Adam, of course, blamed his wife instead of actually confessing up. And then his wife blamed the serpent. And God proceeded to pronounce a curse. And because of that curse, we also have brokenness in, and struggle in our life. Those are things that were lost in the fall. I believe the fall created an identity crisis for people. The questions of who am I, why am I here, and what is my purpose, what is the meaning of life, I believe we're not asked before the fall, but they were asked after the fall. Because all of a sudden, man is now living for themselves. 
And that's what happens when a child is born and they grow up. You know, at first they seem completely innocent, and they are. But you soon realize how selfish they are. You soon realize how selfish you are when your kid starts acting like you. And you realize how much that, that old man that happened when the fall happened is coming out. And I think the reason why so many people ask the question, what is the meaning of life? What value do I have? Is because it becomes meaningless when you, when you live for yourself. Living for yourself is a meaningless existence. It's fun for a while, but after a while, it is, there's, there's no joy in it to live for yourself. I believe now we try to form our own identity instead of allowing God to form the identity of who we are. Our value is now determined by what other people say about us. And I know some people struggle with this more than others, but often we associate our value with what people say or, or how well I did this or how well this is done. And don't get me wrong, we need to perform in what we have been asked to do. But again, our value is given to us by our creator. It is not based as much on what we do, how well we do something. But that's how we determine our value today since the fall, I believe. And I believe our glory and honor was marred. That what, I, what I said at the beginning, how we are crowned with glory and honor, I believe that was marred by the fall. God delegated and, and Adam and Eve failed. They failed. I believe also sometimes life Sometimes it feels a little bit like life is just a constant struggle with the curse, a constant struggle with just going against the brokenness. And you know, I, I believe that many people today that are not Christians know something is wrong. They know something is wrong, and they want to fix it. And yet they don't know how, because all they have is themselves. They don't know God, because God did put a plan in place to bring hope. He did put a plan in place to redeem man, which again, I, I just find so fascinating. What is man that God is mindful enough to send a redeemer for these people? Did you know that it repented God? He, he, wished, he, he wished he would not have created man. It says that in Genesis 5 or 6, I think. He says, he told Noah, he said, I, I regret that I made man and I'm going to destroy all of man except you. And so he told Noah to build an ark. And that's a different message. However, what made God decide to continue finding a plan or making a plan to save mankind? And again, I think it has to do with who we are as image bearers, people created in the image of God. I believe in order for us to find purpose and meaning in life, we must find our place under God's order, not beside God not next to him, not trying to be like God, but under God, under his order. God created a headship order, and man was not right beside him. It is under him. And I believe the same thing goes for us as Christians. You know, God has given each of us different tasks. Some of us have different passions, and, and, they, and God, I think, calls us to different tasks and things like that. However, I think the main focus that God wants from us is to find ourselves under him, doing the work and being, bearing his image as he has called us to do. In order to find purpose and meaning, we must find our place under God 
and not try to be like God. As I said before, God regretted that he made man, but he did make a way to redeem man. And that's hopefully what my next sermon will be about, how God sent Jesus, who was made in the exact imprint of God, but then was made in the likeness of man and redeemed man. Because of Jesus, we can be born again into the likeness of God. We are born again into his likeness again in true holiness and righteousness. And I believe because of Jesus, man can again experience a meaningful life that God intended for him to live. Maybe you don't struggle with that. I sometimes do, and I think other people do sometimes too, where we wonder, what value do we have? What, what meaning does life hold? Do I have a purpose? Why am I here? And I think all those questions come because of the fall. But I think Jesus also is the answer to those questions because he came to redeem us. And we have value because of our great creator. Our creator bestowed value on us. And he will, and, and because of Christ, we can be made new. We can be made right with God. And one day he will come and take us home with him. Let's kneel in prayer. God, I thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the fact that you created man in your own image and that you gave him that sacred quality. And I believe because you care so much for man, you have also created a way for him and uh, to be redeemed. Even though, Lord, we struggle with the fall, we struggle with the curse, and we struggle with selfishness and the old man within us. I just thank you that you sent Jesus made in the likeness of man to redeem man from destruction. And God, if there's anyone who struggles with their value, with who they are, and I just pray that you would help them to embrace the fact that you have given value as their creator. You have given them value. And it's not based on how well they perform. But God, I pray also that if anyone doesn't know you, they would come to realize their need of you and also realize... Um, the work that Jesus has done for them, and that they can be recreated, reborn again in your image again, in your likeness, in true righteousness and holiness. I just pray that you would go with us today and watch over us, continue to guide us and direct us as we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.